Welcome to the Impact Gap Podcast. We are a graduate student-run, patient-centered podcast group based at the University of Toronto. Our mission is to provide a platform for patients and advocates to share important patient issues within our healthcare system. Today, our special guest and I will be talking about cancer education. Nearly one in two Canadians are expected to receive a diagnosis of cancer in their lifetime, according to the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Projections for Ontario show that the three most common cancer cases are breast cancer, lung cancer, and prostate cancer. Breast cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in Canadian women, with one in eight women at risk of developing breast cancer in her lifetime. Bagot is a nonprofit dedicated to empowering patients and helping them to navigate their cancer diagnosis. From initial diagnosis, throughout treatment, and in all phases of survivorship, Bagot guides patients on how to talk to their healthcare providers, ask questions, and serve as the most important advocate on their care team. Since 2003, Bagot has helped more than 81,000 cancer patients. Our guest today is Sherry Romanowski of Bagot. Would you be able to start by telling us the story of how you got to where you are today and how you formed Bagot? I would love to. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. My mom got diagnosed with breast cancer at age 68. And um, I was one of, you know, four siblings. And we all kind of helped her through that. She caught it very early stage. But it was a very frightening situation for us, as you can imagine. So. We all, you know, tried to do what we could do, right, to help her. And, but it, I got to admit, it was very startling. And just that was the first person I knew of that had cancer that was really close to me. And then just two years later, I was diagnosed at age 48 with breast cancer. And we caught it fairly early, but it was very aggressive. So, um, Within 10 days, I had three surgeries and did chemotherapy for for the breast cancer. And um, my mom became my caregiver. We switched roles. So I think those experiences really, really helped me to see what the gaps in care were, both for caregivers and for patients. And so, you know, I think these things really helped me think about how to fill those gaps. So I think Bagot, which was launched in 2003, two years after my cancer, um, to help with any type of cancer. We just didn't want to help breast, but all cancers and their caregivers to move more confidently through, through, through diagnosis, treatment, survivorship, and beyond. So we really wanted to help them do that. Um, and then um, also Bagot developed a program called Escape to Thrive, which we'll talk about in a minute which is actually a national program for cancer, other cancer advocates that are just like us that are out there helping people and it's to support them. And I wanna thank you so much for allowing the patient voice to be heard. I think it's just, you know, I've been in this for a long time, Sally, and it's so nice to see this happening. And um, I appreciate you and 
and uh, the program and everything they're doing for students. It's great. Thank you so much for sharing, Sherry. You definitely have a really unique perspective um, as someone who was a caregiver. And then you mentioned your mom and you had switched roles. So you have uh, knowledge from both as a caregiver and also as a patient. So that was a really unique lens. And we're really glad to have you here today to unpack a little more about that. Um, you did mention uh, Escape to Thrive. Would you be able to tell us a little more about that program? Sure, well, that, that program really started um, in 2000. I knew I wanted to help fill some gaps. And the gap I wanted to fill was giving people some information. When I was diagnosed, I got two pieces of paper. Um, one was a hand-drawn diagram of my tumor and kind of how, how this chemotherapy was going to help fight this tumor. The other was the side effects of the chemotherapy drugs I was going to be getting. So Basically, I walked out of the office, and this is a very caring oncologist who actually became a founding member of Bagot. And but this was this is what he had to give to patients at the time, right? There was there was really nothing. And I mean, this is 2000, and I know that's 21 years ago, but things should have been better, right? But they absolutely weren't. And I knew it was the same for my mom. So anyway, I just think that we. I, my oncologist sent me to this conference called Life Beyond Cancer that was held in a national conference held here in Tucson, Arizona, where I live. And it, it was to help people kind of think about their survivorship, but also it encouraged people to kind of fill those gaps to become advocates. Well, I really heard that call. And I think my oncologist knew this was the place to send me. So that really planted the seed for Bagot and um, kind of gave me the confidence to kind of look more into how I could help people in that way. So what happened was after that year, Bagot became um, an entity in 2002, and we actually became an integral part of that conference, Life Beyond Cancer. I had always wanted to um, take those people like myself that had taken this huge leap to become an advocate and support them. And we just never kind of did that with Life Beyond Cancer. It ran for 10 years. Um, the, the founders of it were kind of tired of doing it and I get it. So I asked my board at the time, can we do this just one time? You know, get some advocates from around the country together and see how we can support them. And so we started the Escape to Thrive conference, leadership conference for cancer advocates. So that was um, in 2010. So um, that program has really uh, developed so much over the last 10 years. So it's a proud piece of Bagot. So that's where that kind of comes in. <laughs> Isn't it funny how one thing just sort of, if, you're, if you keep your vision open and you're aware that sometimes just one thing naturally leads to another, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Escape to Thrive sounds like a really incredible program and is doing really great work. It's really striking how you mentioned you received two pieces of paper from your oncologists and, and now um, you have Bagot, which of course is an incredible program. You mentioned that it, it was quite scary for you to take that plunge. And I just wanted to ask, uh, what made it scary? Well, I think whenever 
it took me a long time to say the word cancer, by the way. Um, but I think when my mom got diagnosed, wow, I mean, that really was like a wake up call, like cancer, you know, people die of this, right? So she, she got through her treatment pretty, you know, she had, she had radiation and caught it very early and she had an okay experience. My mom was one of those people that just, I'm just going to do what the doctor says and I know it's all going to work out fine. I'm not like that. I, I have lots of questions I want to know. So I would be going to her appointments and taking a binder, but I knew at that point when I got that diagnosis that my life was forever changed, okay, forever changed, and that I was going to have to take a different path. I was very type A personality, um, really on top of my, of my teaching game. I mean, I was, um, it was my time to shine, and then this happened and just blew me out of the water, and so I think that that was really hard. And I didn't have the information to cope with that fear. And the emotional roller coaster was, is tremendous when you when something like this happens to you. Any kind of diagnosis that's life-threatening. It's one day you think you can do it, the next day you can't. I mean, it's it's very, very difficult. Um, I mean, I just just the, the kind of the lack of patient education and um Trusting that patients want to know and need to know what's going on with their bodies. Uh, when you mentioned the emotional roller coaster that you went through, um, especially in the context of you being the caregiver, but then flipping to be the patient, I can only imagine um, the, the, all the feelings and just all the emotions that went with that. Um, that does lead me to my next question. Would you be able to share with us the hardest moment that you encountered? Oh, wow. Well, there were several um, hardest moments, I think. Um, I think that as, as far as being an advocate, I think that um, the decision to get involved was a big one. And I didn't take it lightly. Um, and then I think another hard thing for me um, <laughs> was realizing what a hard sell it was. I didn't really realize this till I got into it, what a hard sell it was gonna to be to the medical providers to understand that patients need and want information and that it's necessary and important piece of their, of their patient care. Um, the very first oncology office we started in 2003 was my very own oncology office, okay? and I had to go in and talk to the office manager and explain to her why this was important for the docs to disseminate this type of information. So it was, it was really, um, it was very difficult. She, I got to tell you, I was in tears because after two hours, you know, I'd been spending like a lot of time developing this, getting it ready to go. And after two hours, she couldn't, she, the office manager, couldn't even understand why it was important. I started to cry. And I said to her, have you ever had cancer? And she said, no. And I said, that's why you don't understand. And so I knew from that point on, it was going to be a really hard sell. Um, 
going forward. And I got to tell you, to this day, 18 years later, it is still a hard sell in some offices. Um, not as much as it was because patient education and the whole survivorship thing has become more important. Um, but it's still in a lot of offices, you know, they don't get paid to do it. Um, they say they don't have time to do it. And, and I totally get that. I understand. But it's still a hard sell in a lot of places that this is important to patients. Yeah. Um, if you had to unpack that a little more, and when you reflect on it today, uh, why do you feel it still remains a hard sell even today? I think that change is hard for a lot of the older docs. I think that it, it just really, it's not anything they've been really formally trained in, and it's out of their comfort zone. There's a lot of reasons why not, you know, um, you know, I got to tell you from my experience, I would go in with a binder with my information already there, right? And I addressed almost entirely everything my oncologist was going to talk to me, me about. But instead of me walking in and him just spouting off all this information, me trying to take it in, I asked the question, I became, right, the person that wanted to know and get my answers. Now, who feels powerful in that situation? The patient, right? So that's what we want to do with Bagot. We want to train people, encourage people to take somebody with you, write down everything, you know, um, think about your questions before you go in, be prepared, um, and, you know, summarize at the end. That's really important. So that people walk away understanding fully what's been said. So I think those are the things that, you know, we, we really try and do with Bagot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what really resonates with me, you know, you mentioned that encouraging people and it really that empowerment piece. I think that's really, really a great initiative and the, a really great thing that your organization is doing. Um, in terms of Bagot, so it's really an organization dedicated to providing cancer education, irrespective of cancer diagnosis and or any stage of cancer. Would you be able to share um, how you decided on this particular position rather than focusing in on a specific cancer, a specific stage? That's Sally, that's really a good question. Um, I think at the time, so think back, you know, 2000, 2001, there was a lot of attention to breast cancer, even though that was my cancer, you know, when I was diagnosed with and treated for, there was a lot of attention to breast cancer. But after we investigated, there were very many commonalities between a lot of the cancers. Yes, something, some things are very cancer type specific, but the, the whole thing about how to conduct office visits, how to follow up, how to keep your own information, um, you know, um, how, how to help caregivers, how to handle that emotional roller coaster. Those kinds of things affect anyone with any type of cancer, right? So I, I really didn't want to limit um, it just to breast cancer. And breast cancer was getting, a, you know, a lot of attention for a lot of good reasons. You know, there's women have been very strong in that movement. Um, and, but there, you know, I just, I kind of didn't want to leave anybody behind. 
And um, yes, we had to take a stand on that and it's made some difficulties, but I think in the long run, it can help, it can help a lot more people. I think that's what I, Sally, I think that's what I was most interested in. How can we get to the most people? Yeah, and I think um, that piece as well is definitely one of the most important things to hand uh, to let these patients know. Um, you mentioned survivorship a couple times now in this conversation. You mentioned things like talking to kids about this to you know potentially never getting off treatment, things like that. Um, would you be able to share your own survivorship experience and also uh, potentially talk, touching upon uh, what survivorship maybe means to you or to members of your organization? If you're on treatment and it's finished, it's completed, um, that whole transition to primary care physicians is still um, something that uh, is really not, it's kind of really fraught with a lot of um, complications and, and all that. But, you know, so survivorship, if you look at the definition from NCCS, the National Coalition of Cancer Survivorship, it's, it starts the day of diagnosis and on. So, um, you know, some people are not comfortable with that. Some people like to say, okay, it's when I'm done with treatment. And so that's one of the things is just, you know, but it, what's important is that people started to live longer and survivorship really became a thing. You know, they weren't, people weren't dead within five years, right? They were surviving these wonderful treatments they were getting so, um, so I think survivorship for me has, I think over time, so it's been, it's been nearly 20 years since I was diagnosed. So I think over time, I think time always helps, right? I've had a couple of scares. Every time I go for a mammogram, it's, you know, I get another scare, you know, going for colonoscopies, all those things brings it just so to the forefront. And it's something you, you never forget, you know, you never forget the impact that your diagnosis and treatment had on your life. But I think time does help. And I think for me, getting involved and helping other people has been a huge healing thing for me. Um, people look at their survivorship in so many ways. I mean, it is not the same for any two people. Um, and I think that's important for physicians to really hear that message too. Earlier, you mentioned the transition to primary care. Would you be able to elaborate a little more on this process? Helping people transition from leaving you because you are their lifesaver, right? You are that person that, you know, really saved your life. And people, patients don't want to give you up. They just don't. And helping them see that it's important um, for your practice, for you, for the patient, for them to begin to transition to their primary care physician and how to do that and how they will help, how, how they will help that transition happen more than just sending records, right? Um, so that's why survivorship care plans, if, you're, if you know about that term, are so, so important for an oncology team to complete for a patient when they leave, because it just summarizes what treatment did I get? Um, what was the dosage? Um, what was the time frame? Um, how I responded? You know, all those things. And so it gives 
it gives the primary care physician a history of you, right? But also the oncologist can make recommendations like I think this person would benefit from seeing a social worker or to getting some mental health help or some fertility help and or seeing a nutritionist, for example. So the oncology team can really help that primary care physician know what this patient needs going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of, um, you mentioned several important messages over the course of this discussion, Sherry. Um, from your perspective, um, would you be able to tell us one important message that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, it's going to be more than one, I think. But I would say, be your own advocate. And, you know, years ago, it's funny when we used the word advocate, everybody was thinking we're talking about political advocacy or public health advocacy. No, it's just making your voice heard. So make your voice heard um, as your own personal advocate. And when you go, when you go to an office visit, please bring and, and you can push this, even though they're saying, oh, no, nobody else can go in with you with a visit because of COVID. No, insist that you bring a family, uh, friend, um, somebody to support so they can write down for you what's being said and make sure that you summarize at the end and make sure you have full understanding. I think that's those are just really important. So ask, ask those great questions. Um, and I think get options, right? If somebody tells you there's no options, something's wrong, and you need to get a second opinion because there are always options. And your quality of life and how you want to move forward with your life is an important part of making an informed decision about your care. Thank you so much to our special guest for being a part of our conversation today. You can find more information about us on our website at impactgap.wordpress.com or follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at impact underscore gap. If you have a story that you'd like to share and are interested in joining us as a guest, you can contact us at impactgap at gmail.com.